Welcome to Women on the Line, a community radio national women's current affairs program produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Emma Hart. If it stays, so what we're going to see is that Melbourne becomes the first city in Australia that basically makes homelessness illegal in the CBD. Following the much-publicised breakup of the homeless and rough sleeping community outside Flinders Street Station in central Melbourne on February the 1st, on this week's episode of Women on the Line, we'll take a look at proposed amendments to bylaws by the Melbourne City Council which would effectively ban homeless people from sleeping in the CBD. We'll hear from Kelly from the Homeless Persons Union Victoria about the No Homeless Ban campaign and Tani from Justice Connect Homeless Law about the implications of the possible legislative changes and also what effective homelessness prevention looks like through a discussion of the Women's Homelessness Prevention Project. Yeah, my name is Kelly and I'm a member of the Homeless Persons Union Victoria. The HPUV started in about September 2014 by a person with really long-term uh, lived experience of homelessness in Melbourne, that's Spike Chapelloni, and it just came upon him over the course of a number of years that there should be a, a homeless union here in Melbourne because other bodies and groups, they have organised groups and they you know, can speak out on issues that concern them. And there was no such group for people experiencing homelessness or people with a lived experience of homelessness in Melbourne. And so that's why the um, HPUV came together and it's been going strong for about two and a half years now. Yeah, so we saw around about the time that the Australian Open Tennis Tournament started the community that were rough bleeping on the footpath outside Flinders Street Station. They'd been there for a few months already, but they started getting a lot of media attention from the likes of the Herald Sun, 3AW Radio, um, the Lord Mayor, Robert Doyle, and then indeed the uh, Acting Chief Commissioner of Police, Graham Ashton, and they started coming out really hard on the people there, calling them a very ugly sight and uh, they needed to be cleared out. And Robert Doyle um, came out after the Chief Commissioner's strong comments about wanting to have the Melbourne City Council introduce new bylaws to basically move the people on. The Lord Mayor came out and said that he would indeed go to Melbourne City Council and propose new bylaws, which would, in effect, make homelessness illegal. Well, that was the line that was definitely run through the newspapers and there was a big public outcry from us and other bodies about that and within the space of a few days the Lord Mayor had backflipped and said that no, he was misquoted, he didn't say that. What he did say was he wants to introduce new bylaws which will somehow attend to the rubbish that accumulates around homelessness areas in town. So we've seen that happen, people with high profiles come out and make these really derogatory statements about people experiencing homelessness and then they backflip on that but then they come out again and do it anyway so yeah the Melbourne City Council had a vote 
a couple of weeks ago. It was a five to four vote and five councillors voted to amend uh, existing bylaws which will change the definition of camping in the city of Melbourne. So camping used to be defined as that of being in a tent, a vehicle or some other structure and the amended bylaw crosses out those definitions and says now that you will just not be able to camp. So we fear that that could be interpreted as anybody that's sleeping in their sleeping bag or in their swag or on the ground, that could be defined as camping. So people could be um, fined for basically sitting down or lying down or they could be you know, ejected out of the CBD. And the, the new law that they voted on was that any item that's left unattended in the public place can be confiscated and people will have to pay a fee to get it and that could mean that if someone leaves their blanket, their swag or their belongings somewhere while they go to the toilet, go and get something to eat or even just go to an appointment or something like that, those items could be impounded. And the third arm of their new measures not actually by law, but they want to introduce what they're calling an education campaign, and that will be to try and dissuade members of the Melbourne public from giving items to people experiencing homelessness, which we find really insidious because they claim that they're having to collect 100 to 150 kilograms of rubbish from the streets every week. But I believe that there will be more rubbish collected from, more waste created from the city's cafes and restaurants in one week. So, yeah, all of those measures and laws we find just absolutely outrageous and we don't want, obviously, to see that um, happen here in Melbourne. What do you think the effect of this legal change is going to be? Oh, well, we have, like, now, I think, 27 days from today to get a couple of councillors to change their vote and we'll have to do that through this no homeless ban campaign and public pressure but if it stays so what we're going to see is that Melbourne becomes the first city in Australia that basically makes homelessness illegal in the CBD you know people are going to be pushed out of sight they're going to be pushed into other surrounding local areas it's just absolutely disgraceful homelessness is such a big issue in this city, in this state and in this country. And Melbourne City Council, all the five councillors that voted on this, you know, don't want to see poverty or destitution on the streets of the city. They would rather push it out of sight, even though it's still going to exist. So it's just absolutely outrageous <laughs> that, you know, if this is going to happen, we just, we just can't let it happen. We just can't. Mm. Tell us more about the No Homeless Ban campaign to try and get the council to rescind this measure because yeah there is about just under a month now like a time period before it comes into effect is that right? Around four weeks from today the day that we're speaking there is a committee which is going to advise council on um, all the public submissions that are going to occur from around today the public has a chance to contact Melbourne City Council to express how they feel about these new laws whether they support it, whether they're against it. So we're encouraging people to make submissions. We're also encouraging people to get involved with the No Homeless Ban campaign. We've got a couple of sites going on social media. So we'll be doing all kinds of events to try and shame the Melbourne City Councillors and put pressure on them to change their vote. And the first event we've got going on is Saturday night, um, a white night. Um, so that's um, a big event in Melbourne's calendar, White Night. 
right now this event's in the future, but by the time this uh, episode goes to air, it will have taken place. So do you want to talk a bit more about what kind of action the No Homeless Ban campaign will be taking? Yes, so on White Night, uh, we're encouraging the community to come and sleep out as a sleep out protest on the lawns of the State Library um, from eight people to bring their banners, their signs, a sense of community and a sense of injustice to all come together to sleep there together and protest about these laws and hopefully that will uh, bring more attention to the public about just what's going on. Um, There'll be a light projection as I said, yeah, banners and signs and all coming together. So hopefully a lot of people will attend that. That'll be the, the first action that we do. A lot of people will attend uh, White Night, so we thought it was a, a good opportunity to hold such an event. But uh, we have been criticised by someone from a mainstream newspaper saying that we're going to disrupt the event, which is just absolutely outrageous because White Night spans 12 blocks of the CBD and sprawls into surrounding gardens, so there's no way that we will be disrupting the event at all. But, you know, with that kind of line, you can see that, you know, the mainstream newspapers definitely have an agenda and they don't really support uh, what we're doing. Do you agree that there has been sort of an increase in people sleeping rough in the CBD? Anybody can see that there's been an increase uh, with their own eyes, with more people sleeping in town and apparently that's due to a lot of uh, rooming houses, which is tertiary homelessness, a lot of rooming houses have closed down around the CBD because they've been sold to private developers so people then have nowhere to go and they end up on the street Um, and the Melbourne street count uh, of 2016 counted 247 people in one night in June last year sleeping rough and that was apparently a 74% increase on the previous year. Um, You know, we know that there's over 25,000 people in Victoria alone experiencing homelessness. There's Mm -hmm. over 35,000 people uh, waiting on the public housing waiting list in this state and that number grows at 100 a month. So we know that there, there is a definitely a a homelessness and housing crisis in this country. There's not enough affordable housing for for people to live in. You know, the government's not building enough public housing to meet everybody's needs and that's really what is needed and they're just not forthcoming. They're just just remaining stubborn on it. I don't know why. They just want to sell everything off and privatise it. Really, that's kind of the the um, mentality that we're living in, but the situation's just going to get worse if the government doesn't change its tack. I mean, so where can listeners go if they want to get involved with the No Homeless Ban campaign or want to support the campaign? I mean, how how can listeners um, help put a bit of pressure on Melbourne City Council? I think the first port of call would be follow the No Homeless Ban Melbourne page on Facebook. Or people can contact the Melbourne City Council and find out how they can make their own submissions to express their revulsion, basically, against these new laws and measures. I just never thought that we would see such a thing happening here in Melbourne. You know, the last few years I've been reading about how American cities had, you know, introduced laws that were making it illegal to give food to people experiencing homelessness and things like that, and I was just like, wow, that's that's outrageous. 
I can't believe that's happening. And lo and behold, you know, in the start to this uh, new year here in Melbourne, it's happening on our doorstep and I just can't believe it. And it's just so important that the whole community comes out, you know, vociferously and just says there's just no way that we're going to allow this to happen here in Melbourne. There's just no way. That was Kelly from the Homeless Persons Union Victoria speaking about the No Homeless Ban campaign. Check out the hashtag NoHomelessBan to get in touch. Women on the Line. On community radio around Australia, you're listening to Women on the Line. We're bringing you coverage of proposed legal changes by Melbourne City Council which would effectively ban homeless people from sleeping in the CBD. My name's Tani. I'm a lawyer with the Homeless Law Service at Justice Connect. And Homeless Law is a specialist legal service for people who are homeless or at risk of homelessness. We provide legal advice and representation to almost 500 people experiencing or at risk of homelessness each year. I understand getting caught up with the justice system is actually a real issue for people who are homeless and sleep rough. Maybe this would be a good way to talk about the recent legislation that's uh, in the process of being enacted by Melbourne City Council, which I understand effectively bans camping in the city. I mean, could you tell us a bit more about that law and what it will mean for homeless people who sleep rough in the Melbourne City Council area? That's right. Um, At this stage, they're just proposed laws. And yes, they do obviously disproportionately affect people who are sleeping rough and who are homeless and have to live their lives in public spaces. I mean, I guess what we'd say first is we understand it is a really difficult time for people in relation to housing. There is 22,000 people in Victoria who are homeless. And I mean, that's just, that's not all people sleeping on the street. That's in crisis accommodation, transitional housing and other, um, those kinds of crisis housing. Uh, There are 33,000 people at the moment on the public housing waiting list in Victoria. And there's a massive increase in people who are sleeping on the streets. So it is a really difficult environment and we do understand that there has been a lot of uh, negative media around people who are sleeping on the street and that this has put some pressure on the City of Melbourne. In general, the City of Melbourne and us, uh, we have a really good working relationship with them and they have been involved in some wonderful initiatives which are really put housing first um, and which we know works to try and solve the housing issue. Increasing laws and regulations around public space, we have a lot of research which shows just doesn't help the homelessness situation. These proposed laws by Melbourne City Council really, as you said, uh, have a very broad definitions around camping and in effect make it illegal to sleep on the street and give broad enforcement powers for the um, authorised officers to move people on as well as penalising people for leaving their things unattended um, and they can be taken and they have to pay to get them back. So our concern is, of course, that you're uh, moving people on and the problem on, moving them away from their supports and services and potentially getting them caught up in the fines and infringements system. I mean, our service alone sees around 100 clients a year who are caught up in this system and no one wants to see that figure increasing. It doesn't help anyone. Do you see this as a a sort of major change in policy direction for the council? In a way. I mean, look, there are already board enforcement powers and laws that both the Victorian police and authorised officers 
have in relation to public spaces, these are additional ones. You know, at best they're unnecessary. At worst, they'll catch more people up in the legal system and, and won't solve the homelessness problem. Um, I think that while City of Melbourne have said that they're not going to take a law enforcement approach if these new laws do get passed, these new local laws, uh, our experience is once the laws exist, they do get enforced. So to that extent, I guess it's a bit of a broadening of the definition and to the extent that it would really make, in essence, even if it's not the intention, it would make it illegal for people to sleep on the street. So earlier you mentioned some of the figures around um, an increase in homelessness in Melbourne and in Victoria. And in relation to that, I, it would be really great to speak about Justice Connect's Women's Homelessness Prevention Project because it would be really interesting to talk about maybe more effective um, measures that are in place at the moment that are actively preventing people from becoming homeless. Yeah, that's a really good segue into talking about the work we do to stop people becoming homeless and stop homelessness before it begins. And that's probably about over half of our work, around 60% of our work is in prevention of homelessness. So the Women's Homelessness Prevention Project is a really fantastic model of this. It's a holistic, integrated model of providing legal services that prevents homelessness through addressing both legal issues and non-legal issues. So we keep women and children in housing through a combination of legal representation, really intensive um, legal support and social work as well. And we have an in-house social worker specifically dedicated to working with the vulnerable women that come through this project. We've just late last year published the two-year report on the, the Women's Homelessness Prevention Project. And that report shows that 83% of finalised matters were successfully resolved, which is a really fantastic outcome. Um, and what that means is that 83% of the 102 women we've helped, and these 102 women had a total of 157 children in their care, 83% of those either maintain their house or were helped to transition safely to a new house or resolved a legal issue that was a barrier to accessing safe housing. Mm -hmm. I had a look at the Keeping Women and Children Housed report on the Women's Homelessness Prevention Project, and I was struck by a couple of quick numbers. For example, 90% of the women assisted have experienced family violence in the past 10 years. Another number that really struck me as well is um, around the financial brokerage. So that's to assist people in, you know, maybe paying their rent or some kind of financial support. There were 59 provisions of financial brokerage to a total of about $36,000. So that's actually a really small cost for keeping people housed, say, compared to maybe the cost of crisis accommodation support and ongoing costs associated with homelessness that are borne by the state. Could you maybe talk a bit more about the complex factors that like the kinds of stories you're seeing? Absolutely, and there's been some research done on this too and roughly the cost that the state um, puts in to support someone who's in housing as opposed to someone who's homelessness. Um, if you're homeless, it's about an extra $30,000 a year. So as well as the moral obligation to provide this kind of assistance, it's really also very economically effective to provide this kind of integrated service assistance and to focus on increasing appropriate stable housing, social housing options for people. And that's another big aspect of the report. But in terms of teasing out some of the issues there, yeah, one of the major issues for 
homelessness in Victoria is family violence and the Royal Commission into Family Violence has acknowledged that there's really an urgent need to address the housing response to family violence. It's really crucial that women have access to safe and secure housing in order to uh, leave family violence and also to regain a sense of safety after they've experienced family violence. So we do see about 90% of the women coming through the service who've had some experience of family violence. There is a whole lot of issues that then come into play and our report sets out 10 stories from these women and then 10 calls for change based on our work with the 102 women over the last two years. And some of those are around things like being forced to flee housing. There's actually a a little-known provision in the Residential Tenancies Act which if it's safe and appropriate to do so and the victim of family violence wants to stay, that you can actually get the perpetrator to leave the housing situation. So that's worth pointing out, but also that there is some changes that we would like to see to make it easier for women to keep their property and get access to property and to make sure that if there's damage caused by a perpetrator of family violence, that the women who've experienced that family violence are not held accountable for paying for that damage. On top of that, once women have maybe uh, been able to leave that experience of family violence and they're on their own, particularly if they also have additional childcare responsibilities, because of the really tough housing situation, if you're on a low income, there's only about 1% of private rentals in Melbourne, if you're single on a low income, that are affordable. So you're in a really precarious housing situation and, and it really doesn't take much, you know, a car breaking down, getting ill before you are in a small amount of arrears and then you're being asked to leave your property. So one story that we have um, de-identified from one of our clients was a single mother of five who was a victim of family violence and she was facing eviction after paying a childcare debt instead of her rent. So she got really sick, she was hospitalised and her youngest children had to stay overnight with a family daycare worker. This is during her recovery process from um, experiencing family violence and by the time she came to us, the locks on the property were about to be changed. What the lawyers did is they worked with her and made an urgent application for a rehearing to put a hold on the eviction and then they negotiated a payment plan and advocated it for VCAT, which was affordable to pay off those arrears so that Nicola could stay in her housing. Uh, then Nicola worked intensively with the social worker to make sure she was linked into the right supports. We provided her with some financial brokerage to help that deal go through and then worked intensively to look for more suitable and secure accommodation long term to get her back on her feet. So as you can see, the work that she did with the lawyers and the social worker gave her the time she needed to get back on her feet and establish crucial links with support. It really does seem that, you know, women bear a really disproportionate burden, which is often financial as well as physical and psychological around family violence. As you're saying, there are some really direct, straightforward legislative changes that could make that situation a lot a lot more straightforward for women navigating that sort of thing. That's right. There's some really straightforward legislative reform that can be made, but this also has to be in conjunction with some of the big picture stuff that we've been suggesting and in particular support for the kind of housing first approach, integrated services that really respond to all aspects that a client is experiencing, like the Women's Homelessness Prevention Project. Unfortunately, this really wonderful and fantastic project that we run, which I think is just so effective and great, is only currently funded until June this year. 
So uh, it's been generously funded by Philanthropics, but not yet picked up by anyone else. So um, we're always open to anyone who has suggestions for keeping this great project going. But also, really, we need a long-term housing strategy that focuses on providing the appropriate, safe, secure social housing that people need. You mentioned that there had been a marked increase of people who are homeless and sleeping rough around Melbourne. Do you think that's indicative of a a crisis, say around public housing, for example, that's taking place in Victoria at the moment? Um, Look, when you have 33,000 people on the public housing waiting list, I mean, that is definitely indicative of the need for substantial investment in the public housing system. And Infrastructure Victoria has recently put out a plan to this effect where they have named housing as one of the top three areas in need of investment and they've set out a 30-year plan which which um, goes through and details the type of investment and the substantive investment that's required on an ongoing basis in Victoria in order to address this problem. So, I mean, if listeners are interested in finding out more about this issue, I mean, where, where should they go for more information about Justice Connect? So, for a start, our website is justiceconnect.org.au forward slash homeless law and that has information on all of our law reform campaigns and all of our work. In particular, if they're concerned about the proposed laws by Melbourne City Council, there's public comment open at the moment, just open today. Um, People need to put in their comments by the 17th of March and we really encourage people to provide feedback to the City of Melbourne about these proposed laws, changes to the local laws around camping. So we really encourage people to make their comments and um, suggestions to Melbourne City Council known and, and give them their feedback. And we'll be putting some information up on our website about the new laws, what they are, what our concerns are and how you can give feedback to Melbourne City Council before the 17th of March shortly. And if any listeners are experiencing homelessness, at risk of homelessness or know someone who are, then they can give us a call on 1800 606 313. That was Tani from Justice Connect Homeless Law speaking about the Women's Homelessness Prevention Project and proposed laws by Melbourne City Council which would effectively make sleeping in the CBD illegal. And that's all for Women on the Line today. Women on the Line is a community radio national women's current affairs program. It's produced and presented by a range of women broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. We greatly appreciate financial support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. We welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show, so send us an email to womenontheline at gmail.com or phone 3CR on 03 9419 8377. Women on the Line programs can be downloaded from our website 3cr.org.au forward slash women on the line. The theme music for Women on the Line is Slideshow at Free University by La Tigra. I'm Emma Hart. Hope you can tune in again next time. Mm-hmm.